What's up, Rundown Nation? Welcome to the College Football Rundown. I'm Woj. And I'm Walt. And we have one hell of an episode up for you guys today. A lot of conference talk, a lot of good games last week, uh, a lot of crazy games with a lot of implications. I mean, we're down to the wire here, aren't we, Walt? We are. Games mean something, man. They mean something all year long. That's why college football is so great. You lose, man, your chances at a championship go down the drain. And that's just one game we're talking. You lose one game. Woof! It's tough uphill climb from there, Woj. So everything matters. But hey, last two games of the season, Woj, you got to win them. You got to. Hey, the only thing I'm excited about is the SEC bullshit games that happen towards the end of the season. Don't mean anything anymore. We've already decided who's playing <laughs> in the conference champs there. So Alabama, go play your Austin PA and, and, and LSU play your little girls of the poor. I, I don't even care anymore. SEC's already figured out. So uh, at least there's no implications there with that stuff. But while last week, Walrus didn't win. We finally got a new new winner. By the way, Walrus, please... Uh, get a hold of us so we can get you the koozie. Um, if you want to hit us up on Twitter, otherwise you can email wall at wwcfb.com. Again, that's wall, W-A-H-L at wwcfb.com uh, to get your koozie store. You already got one, so you don't get another one, but you did win with 143.18 points. Uh, James 03 came in second in LW886 and third. Um Story took the dual QB wide receiver stack while well, it took Hennon Hooker and Jalen Hyatt, CJ Stroud and Marvin Harrison. Both of them One the, the Hyatt Hooker got him 220 per point and uh, Harrison got him 272 per point. And he basically kind of bunted the rest of his roster. <laughs> That's kind of all it needed to win. But hey, props to him. Uh, I, I do apologize to anybody that did take uh, Mortisai. Because uh, I did mention that on the podcast that every time I pick him, he does terrible. And guess what? He uh, he did terrible. I did take him. Uh, so apologize to the forty four point four percent of the people in our league that did <laughs> taking him. Um, that was not expected by the stats. Uh, that that was odd. I did not accept your apology, Woj. <laughs> oh, did you take him? Of course, I took him. Okay, I tell you, I took Mordecai. I don't know who this Mordecai guy is, but I took Mordecai. I took him on your on your advice. On your hammer and home, hey, take this yeah, guy. Yeah, You're going to yeah. win, and I, I didn't win. So, Well, he had his worst outing of the year, thanks to me, um, which wasn't that terrible compared to some other quarterbacks. He got 19 points, but yeah, not not definitely the amount that we, we wanted. As far as the overall, oh, by the way, there was a, uh, a tie for fourth place. I, I've never seen this before. J.M. Doof and Shop Girl 722 both had... 127.92 points and both had a hundred percent different rosters. They didn't share a single person. Uh, the odds of that happening are pretty wild. So especially with, I think we had nine people play. Uh, so go buy a lottery ticket shop girl, uh, seven, 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 two, two and JM do please. Uh, you deserve it after that. But anyways, into the, uh, average placement for the year long, uh, average placement through eight games. Walrus is still dominating, still set at 2.5. JM Doof still at that 2.6. Story moves up with that first place to 2.8 uh, and kicks me out. Gosh darn it. Uh, best eight-week totals. Walrus still kicking some ass at 1357. JM Doof with 1296, and I'm sitting at 1230, more than 100 points back from Walrus. So 
I'm going to have to have a big week wall, and I, I feel like I can do it this week. We have the 14-game main slate up, and I, I'm excited, Wall. Well, you got next week too, Boach, so don't, well, don't sell true. yourself short. Two, weeks, you still two got, weeks. Yeah, you got two more weeks, and we don't do conference, right? So you got to get it done in those two weeks, Woj, but you need to put up some points, baby. You're chasing yeah. the Walrus, man. We, we are. We'll, we'll also be doing some, uh, just like we did last year, we'll do some uh, captain showdowns during conference week uh, and maybe throughout the bowl season. That's always uh fun and, and different uh different way to do it got to figure out your bonus guys but uh yeah excited for the last two weeks i'm making up that 100 points i'm coming for you walrus i'm coming but anyways well let's get the last week's games we had washington at oregon washington ended up winning 37 to 34 man some questionable calls there at the end of the game with bo Nix coming out looked like he was ready to come back in they didn't put him in wall i don't know i didn't get to catch it i was watching the game updates you know on espn because i was involved in something else i didn't get to see it on the screen but you know washington was coming for oregon let me tell you hey well do you know what i love about this game peyton henry did they talk about on the broadcast or no about peyton henry Uh, i'm not sure i didn't watch the broad i didn't listen to the broadcast i watched it that's it i got you so this guy peyton henry is a kicker for washington he hits that game-winning field goal a few years back, I remember this specifically, he missed a game-winning field goal in the same situation, essentially, against Oregon, goes into overtime, Oregon ends up beating Washington. That year, it was 2018, I think, Washington was a contender, baby. So you need a kicker. You need a kicker to come through for you. Washington's kicker did, and they beat a great football team, a great football team in Oregon, would yeah, they did. Uh, Michael Penix, man, he's had a hell of a year after the transfer out of Indiana. Uh, surprising to see what quarterbacks do that transfer out of the Big Ten and go somewhere else uh, with receivers and offense. But yeah, yeah, a hell of a year for him uh, from a team like Washington, who we've respectably known for as a pretty run heavy team in the past. Um, but it, towards back to the end of that game and the co- coaching mistakes. Uh, and I shouldn't say mistakes, just question marks. Cause I feel like every year Oregon has this issue. Travis die last year. Let's not run Travis die our best player on the team. And now this year, Bo Nix got hurt. Right. And it, it, the, the backup didn't do much. They, they handed the ball off a couple of times. Bo Nix look is on the sidelines, jumping up and down, talking to the coach. Looks like he wants to come in for the fourth down play, which is a question in itself when you can just punt the ball away and get them deeper down the field um, instead of giving them giving them the ball at midfield with, with time running out. I, I get winning the game in that situation. It's a four, I think it was a fourth and two or a fourth and one. But, but when it comes down to that, if your best player isn't on the field and your best player is Bo Nix, you're punting that ball. You're not putting the game in the hands of a backup quarterback a running back where he has to make a handoff or anything that can go wrong in that scenario. You're taking that out. You're putting the ball in the punter's foot and kicking it downfield. Unless Bonex is in there, then you trust him to do whatever you want to do. That was a stupid call. I'm sure he, I, I, I wanted to go back and listen to press conferences. I didn't. I'm sure he's been asked that question a million times by now of why he did that. But I, I mean, that lost the game for them, in my opinion. I, I I think Oregon played better towards the end of that game. Bo Nix is doing Bo Nix things, which is surprising. He, he didn't do that at Auburn for me when I had him on my fantasy team, but uh, <laughs> need, needless to say, well, it was, it was a, it was a crazy game. Yeah. The thing about it is you, if you're the better team, you, you don't go for it on fourth down, you punt the football, 
you know you're the better team and you're going to win the game. So it kind of speaks to the mentality of the coach in that situation. Yeah, for sure. Uh, another good game, TCU and Texas. Holy crap, did this look like a Big Ten game? Well, this was a low-scoring affair. That was not not something I expected, Well, 17 no, to 10? me neither. Out of this game. I mean, they, the, the lines makers themselves didn't expect it. It's more of a random occurrence. I bet they played this game, you know, 100 more times. This doesn't happen, but 5% of them. It, it, it was a crazy defensive game. I should say maybe a crazy bad offensive game. What, what do you want to say, Woj? Uh a bad offensive game from Texas. Uh, B. John Robinson Bijan, only yeah, rushing Bijan. for 28 yards or well, it was 29 yards. I mean, come on. Your, your line can't block for Bijan for 29 yards against a defense that traditionally this year hasn't been very good. Well, uh, I just don't understand that. They had three points going into four minutes left in the fourth quarter. Uh, and they got that touchdown based off of a fumbled recovery. Uh, so yeah, zero offense from Texas. TCU did have a little bit going. I, I mean, Miller, Kendra Miller had 138 yards. They were able to move it on the ground. Duggan really didn't do anything, which was surprising, but, uh, yeah, I'm sure a lot of people lost some money in this DraftKings too, because I'm sure they had Duggan and Bijans on their team and, and they, they didn't do anything well. Well, I, this is a big game for TCU. I think this they're happy to have played Texas because, you know, it's a key win for them. It's a, it's what I call a statement win. You know, as, as far as the college football playoff committee goes, it's just another win for them because Texas, what are they sitting now? Three losses, Woj. I mean, yeah, it, 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 to them, it's just, you know, they beat another team, but to people that actually know what's going on in the college football landscape, they beat a very good football team. I've said it before and I'll say it again on this podcast, Texas at their best, which they weren't last week. I'll give them that, but Texas at their best can beat any team in the country and they can give aside from Georgia and they can give Georgia a good football game. So, you know, this TCU beating Texas, it really, those doubters in the college football landscape, the real people that know what's going on outside of the playoff committee that just goes in there and throws darts, you know, this solidifies TCU is a good football team and it was a good football game. I don't care what people that like high scoring have to say about it. You know, Dugan, he played good football. He didn't turn it over at the end. He could have turned it over and lost the game for him. He didn't. TCU remains undefeated. They remain with an opportunity to play in the college football playoff. Yeah, I agree. I think this is a great warm-up game for TCU going into Baylor this week. Uh, just an awesome it's, warm it's up? Be an, warm up, Butch. I, no, they I, get well, their cool down game this week. I don't know well, what you're that's, talking that's about. That's true, but I mean, there's people out there like Feinbaum Wall, which I know we're really fond of. Ah, here he's on an the idiot. Rundown. He's yeah. an idiot. Who, who says they're on upset alert with Baylor, which is bullshit. But Bay Baylor is a better defensive team in the Big 12, I should say that. They're not very good overall. But being TCU pulling out a victory like this, holding Texas to three points with the number one running back in the nation on their team, holding them to 29 yards, Wall, I mean, that that's... That's good. That that's a good sign that they're looking at the playoffs. They can play defense. They we know they can play offense. Um, but yeah, it, it's exciting. I, TCU minus two and a half. I think it is for this weekend. That's not a bad bet. Uh, it's not going to be my pick'em, but it might be on my radar wall. There you go, Woj. Always bet a team that hasn't lost. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, another one, Wall. Purdue at Illinois, the Boilermakers knock off the Illini 31 to 24. Uh, I think these games just swapped. The, the score should have been the other way around or something because uh, there was a little bit more offense than I thought Illinois could produce and, and Illinois would give up in, in letting the uh, Boilermakers score 31 there. 
Well, I, it, it shocked a lot of people. It didn't shock me so much. I, I Purdue is a good football team, Woj. I mean, they're, they're a very good football team. Illinois, I'm not going to discredit them. They, they play very well. Um, they are coached very well, which is a, a line that I'm going to steal from Mr. Harbaugh, Harbaugh, who said that this week. I agree completely. They're a very well-coached team. But Purdue is a good football team in their own right, man. I just keep thinking back to that first game of the season. It was it was so exciting. But they, with this win, Purdue, they're bowl eligible, Woj. And our I, – well, I shouldn't say our. My Iowa Hawkeyes are bowl eligible also. I don't know if you saw that. Yes. Nice. I don't Iowa State. You your guys clinch it yet, or are they bowl eligible? Oh, come on, get out of here, Wall. No, they're not <laughs> going to clinch it because, well, no, they probably are. Kansas State's playing without Adrian Martinez likely the last game of the year, so they're going to beat them. So it'll make them bowl eligible. That's good to know. I I don't, I don't pay too much attention to your team. <laughs> I I only pay attention to the Hawkeyes. But in this game, Illinois, you know, they lost. It's unfortunate because now for them, anyways, because now Purdue has that tiebreaker so you know it was a good, it was a good football game I, I'm not really that surprised by the outcome though Woj yeah uh it's one of those things that makes that, that that stirs up that west division man and we're gonna get to that a little bit later but holy crap does this make uh, for an interesting uh interesting west division and not not that the west really matters in the big ten in the landscape of things um <laughs> 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 uh, we've seen what Iowa and other teams have done in the championship games versus Michigan's and Ohio states of the world, but it's, it, you're making it to a big 10 championship. I mean, it, it's something to look forward to, I guess, as your team. And for Iowa, that usually means making a new year's day bowl, which is always an exciting thing. Maybe Purdue will be that person this year and make a new year's day bowl. Uh, uh, it's, that's always a, the, the, for me being an Iowa Hawkeye fan, the last how many ever years while the making that new year's day bowl is like the, the cream of the crop. That's our national championship for our Hawkeyes uh, just because they haven't really shown what they, what they need to take to get to those playoffs and, and beat those teams. Well, oh, I mean, you're a top 10 team Oj, out of more than a hundred football teams. That's, that's good. You know, we, we yeah. always focus on the top two or top four teams. If we go to the playoffs and, you know, being a top 10 football team in college football landscape is, is an incredible thing. So that is all right. Well, let's get on to the games this week. We just talked about the Illini. The Illini travel to the big house while they're playing number three Michigan Wolverines at 11 a.m. on ABC. I'm assuming this one's a little outlandish in, in the spread and money line in the in. Well, I guess the over under is probably outlandish, too, is it not? Well, can, outlandish, I guess it depends <laughs> which side you consider outlandish. But no, as far as the spread goes, Woj, we're looking at Illinois plus 17 and a half, an over under of 42. So yeah, Whoa. outlandish to the low side, Woj. Yeah, it's outlandish. Michigan minus a thousand. That number is different every book. But, you know, when you get to that point, it really doesn't matter. Although I will say, I don't know, college basketball is there, Woj. I know you're not the biggest college basketball guy, but uh, TCU lost last night and they were like minus three or 4,000. So you never know. I mean, a football team like this, even though they're minus a thousand, everybody's saying, Hey, they're not going to lose. They're not going to lose. They could lose. And, and your buddy, fine mom, you, you talked about your buddy. Oh, fine mom. talk about I, him. He, he also said Michigan's on upset alert. I don't know if you heard that. Okay. Oh, let's get real now. If he <laughs> said it's on upset alert, please bet the, the over the Michigan to cover about everything on Michigan because he's wrong 90% of the freaking time when he was making outlandish remarks like that. Michigan's just a better football team while Illinois is great. And uh, like Mr. Hardball talked about, they're, they're pretty good coach. Bielema has done a really good job in, in his time there so far. And I think they're going to get better. I think they're going to be a better team in the long run. I mean, picking up the veto was a huge impact for them this year. They made receivers that 
were there before become something in Isaiah Williams and things like that. So uh, Chase Brown, we all know is dynamic. He's one of the better running backs in the nation. Definitely will going to get drafted. Uh, but Illinois has got years to grow. Um, they're doing better than L- Iowa at doing the recruiting trail, getting their quarterback set and things like that. But um, Michigan's just a good team. They're, that's a different beast, man. It, their defense is just so good. Their ends are so good. Their pass rush is so good. And, and then you add that on top of it. They have two really good Chase Browns on their team. Okay. Illinois has got one. They got two in Donovan Edwards and Blake Corum. I mean, I'm sorry. It's it just the truth. So, I mean, that, that's my two cents on that wall. I, I'm not going to disagree with you, Woj. And I want to make sure you don't pick up Mr. Chase Brown and your DraftKings team. He got that hurt at the end of the Purdue game um, last game. He actually had surgery that same day on Saturday. So. Oh, show he's out. Okay. Yeah, he's out. He might be back. If You know, for their bowl, he might be back. They said he had surgery on Saturday, and he's expected to be out three to five weeks. So, you know, there's a question mark whether he comes back or not, but he's de- he's definitely not playing this week. So I want to make sure you don't put him on your team, buddy. Except Hopefully the- Feinbaum said this is upset alert after the Brown injury, because <laughs> if, if it was before, then he obviously jinked it. It was all his fault. No, he, I'm sure he said it after because it was after the games this weekend. I believe he was. I, I think I heard the exact conversation you were talking about. He's talking about TCU in Michigan. He's a bum, so we don't need to give him any more airtime on the rundown. But speaking of him, there's, there's pe- a lot of people talking, you know, upset alert. You know, Michigan's not a good football team because, you know, they have a crappy schedule. They haven't played anyone. Well, hey, if you think that, how about you put your damn money where your mouth is? Just bet Illinois, Woj. I mean, yeah, you're talking about plus 600. You, you put a dime down, Woj. You put a dime down. You're getting a lot of money back. You're getting, what, six, seven K, Woj? Come on. Yeah. I mean, put your money where your mouth is, people. Yeah, Illini fans, but that's not going to happen. Sorry, dude. Well, no. I, I don't care. You're a Illini fan, you're a Illini fan. I just I get upset about the people that rag on Michigan, an undefeated football team, because they haven't played anyway. Well, how about you put your money where your mouth is and stop flapping your jaw? You know, you got a great opportunity to do it right here. You can make a lot of money, you know, if Illinois does win this football game, which I, I think they're going to have a lot of trouble because that Blake Corum, he moved up. He's third in the nation as far as Heisman odds go, Woach, I'm not sure if you saw uh, that. He's good. Uh, in there, he's it's only going to get higher too because you know how uh, hardball is. I mean, he's not going to not run it down their throats, especially if in their lead in the lead. He's not going to take it easy on anybody. Um, so that being said, I, I do like the over and I do like the uh, the cover by Michigan in that game for sure this weekend. Um, but anyways, well, on just a little bit of DraftKings. Let's get some quarterbacks out of the way here for you that are thinking about quarterbacks. While we've talked about him before, you know, remember Holton Ashers, the QB from Eastern Mich- Eastern Carolina? <laughs> Ailers, I believe, but yeah. I yeah, we, I think we've talked about him off, uh, off podcast too before. And I remember the first time that, you know, we, I had met him a couple times and man, I was like, well, he, he does. Okay. He's not that great, but he's always pretty high priced. And I watched in Eastern Carolina for the first time. This was last year. Okay. And I watched him play quarterback and I'm like, this is the guy I put money on draftings for. <laughs> like I almost slapped myself. He's, he's not that great. Okay. And when you're watching him, he's not a superstar, but he does score fantasy points. Eastern Carolina doesn't play that good a competition. 
So it's just one of those things to look at, especially this weekend. He's only 6,200. They are playing Houston. Houston is second from last in college football on giving points to quarterbacks at 31.9. They are an absolute awful, awful secondary, awful pass rush, awful line, everything, because they just let quarterbacks do whatever they want. Uh, on the other side of this ball, the other side of this game, you have Clayton Toon from Houston, who we've known to score 70 or 60 some points. Uh, my spidey sense tells me that if someone's going to win a DraftKings contest, it's going to involve some people in this game. So uh, Holt Nashers at 6,200 is pretty cheap uh, for a game that he could pop off on. Another quarterback that we can't go without saying is going to be CJ Stroud from Ohio State. He's the most expensive player at 9,500. But that being said, Ohio State is going to murder Maryland so that they can make their point made in case they lose to Michigan the next week, which they might not, but they got to make their point that they're just going to blow out teams and, and try to get into the college football playoff that way. Well, uh, and, and Ohio State typically does that in November. So uh, 9,500 for C.J. Stroud for a guy that scored five touchdowns last week and scored 35 points on DraftKings is, uh, is a pretty good deal, Well. Yeah, there's a reason he's the leader in the Heisman, which he's reason he's number one. So, all right, we got some Pac-12 action. Wall, where's uh, the real Jay Z at here? We got a couple Pac-12 games coming up for you on the rundown here. Number seven USC at number sixteen UCLA, seven p.m. on Fox. Huge implications here for the Pac-12 uh, champion division here. There's, there's huge implications across all of college football in this game, which yeah. and you know. Pac-12, you know, they, that Oregon loss last week, there's there's no way to sugarcoat it. It really hurt the Pac-12. It didn't kill them, but it, it hurt them a lot. This football game, you got, you know, UCLA plus 110 over under a 76, USC minus two. USC is the favorite going in to the Rose Bowl. So, you know, I a team, you it might have to talk about this game for my pick modes, not to give something away, but USC nine and one with a loss to Utah. We know Utah's a good football team near loss to Oregon state did not play well in that Arizona game, which is a game that I was watching. I actually lost money in that game. I was unfortunate, but I did UCLA eight and two. They lost to Oregon, a good football team and Arizona. Well, <laughs> we got some kind of common like denominator here. Arizona must be this, Really good football team that no one knows about, and Arizona also doesn't know about. But, you know, both teams struggled, obviously, with Arizona. It's the common factor. We can compare them together. Uh, UCLA lost outright. Maybe that's why USC is the favorite in this one. Defense need not apply in this game, Woj. These are offensive teams. UCLA, bottom half of the DN nation. USC squeaks by. They get in that top half, Woj. They're sitting at... 51st in the nation in points against, but these are two offensive-minded teams. Travis Dye, man, that was a rough injury. I don't know if he caught it last week, but it's tough to see a running back of that caliber, especially in a game where they're playing Colorado, Woj. I mean, uh, he, he cut, yeah, the worst rushing defense in college football when he gets hurt. Yeah. Yeah. That, you, you, yeah. No one no one wants to see that, Woj, and it's unfortunate it happened, but it happened, and now it you know, it is a factor in this game. USC is without their best running back who transferred there this year and has been playing great. And I'm sorry to see him go, but it's just a factor we have to consider when we're betting this game, you know, expected 74 degrees and sunny Woj. These guys aren't playing in the Midwest. You know, they got their cushiony sun. that's going to warm them up all day out there. They're probably going to get some points. Charbonnet, he's not out. He's a man we talked about in this podcast. 
You know, everyone outside of the nation, though, Woach, is going to be cheering for UCLA in this game because they do not want USC to have a chance at the playoffs because no matter what team you're repping in the top 10 or top 15, you can't have USC up there because it's really going to cloud things. So a lot of people are going to be cheering for UCLA in this game, and I might be one of them, but I'll, I'll hold off until the uh, pickup mode. All right. So you talked about a lot of offense, and let me tell you, uh, on paper, these two teams are about as even as it can possibly get uh, as far as average passing per game, as far as average rushing per game. They are like the same exact team. When it comes to that, you got Mr. Charbonnet over there. That's going to do a lot of work for UCLA, and they rely on him a lot. But DTR, man, he can sling it when he needs to. Uh, you got Caleb Williams, who we know is a good player. Travis Dye, unfortunately, is hurt. But they do have some backup running backs there. They're more of a committee-type deal than UCLA is, so they have some options. But I think this game is won by pressure on the quarterback. Uh, who can pressure the most and get more in into their face? And let me tell you, USC has one of the best pass rushers in college football on their team. And I'm going to butcher this name because I haven't butchered a name in a while. Uh, Tulia Tuliopala, uh, however you say it, has got 11 and a half sacks this season. Uh, he's got three interceptions. He's going to be a first round draft pick, I'm assuming. Uh, going into this season's draft. Uh, he is going to be an all-star player, Tulia Tulio Blupul. <laughs> He's on the D-line. Uh, nevertheless, it's going to be a good game to see who can get more pressure on DTR or Caleb Williams, really, at the end of this game, I think, is where where those factors come in. Who can play more of a confined defense? Who can hold those – who can make it so that these quarterbacks got to stay in the pocket and make good throws or, or get them interceptions. So this is the game of the year for me right now. I, I mean, I thought Tennessee, Georgia was, and that turned out to be not that great of a game in general. Not that I wanted Tennessee to win. I just needed to cover 11 and a half and they, they just fell short, but nevertheless, well, we won't talk about that. USC, UCLA going to be a great game while uh, excited to watch it, no matter who wins. But I'm going to go on the opposite side of you here, Wall. I'm not betting you $50 this time, but I think USC might have the edge here, even with Travis Dye down. <laughs> I, I'll be honest with you, which I don't even know who you're talking about with Tua. And I, I'm a big defensive guy. You know, a lot of people in college football, they, they don't know the defensive side of the ball. I, I for a fact, usually do. I, I know Lee over there is their linebacker, who's the really good, outstanding defensive player. But as a unit, I don't think they're that good. But you mentioned that he's a defensive lineman and he has three interceptions. He's got three interceptions wall, defensive lineman, 11 and a half sacks, 83 yards, sack yards, uh, 32 total tackles. Uh, he is a beast over there. You, you watch his, his numbers 49. So you, you watch for him on the, on the screen there. I'll have to do that. Well, I will make a point to do that. All right. Well, so let's not get over this game yet. Big implications here though. If USC wins, Versus UCLA, they are they, they, it doesn't matter what happens in their last game because it's a non-conference game versus Notre Dame. How convenient that is! Um, doesn't matter. They, it doesn't yeah, matter. It, are you, it, are you kidding me? It doesn't matter for the Pac-12, maybe. Well, but. The, yeah, it matters for the playoffs, but for the Pac-12 championship, it won't matter. USC will be in if they win. If UCLA wins, there is a possible five-way tie for first that could happen. Um, 
And a lot of it will come down to this next game we're going to talk about, which could be a repeat game in the championship if UCLA wins, uh, surprising enough. And that's number 10, Utah, at number 12, Oregon, at 9.30 on ESPN. Well, I can't wait for Saturday night. It's going to be a great Pac-12 night. Yeah, it just it makes me so angry. And the Pac-12 does this to themselves. But, you know, before I get into it, let me paint you the picture. Utah plus three over under of 63. A little bit sexy, a little bit sexy. You know, we're not X-rated, but we're getting to that R stage. <laughs> Oregon minus 155 if you want to bet them on the money line. But what I'm talking about is you're so excited for that 9.30 p.m. start. The Pac-12 does this all the time. This is the, the marquee game, right? At the beginning of the season, you had to think this is the marquee game. Now we've come to find out that USC is a much better team than expected. UCLA is a little outperforming too, but you had to expect that this was the marquee game. And I honestly still think these are the two best teams in the Pac-12 playing this weekend. But nonetheless, they schedule this game for 9.30 Central Time, Woj. That's 10.30 Eastern Time. That means when this game goes to halftime on the East Coast, where a lot of college football viewership is, this it'll be midnight, Woj. So people can't even stay up and watch this game. And it's all a scheduling conflict. I shouldn't say a conflict. That's not the correct word. It's all a scheduling problem by the Pac-12. I don't get why they do this, Woj. I don't get it. Yeah, it, it's unfortunate. It is a marquee game, like you talked about. Both of these games are 7-9. and nine. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe it's for the Pac-12 fans to be able to watch this USC and UCLA into a Utah-Oregon game, which for them is exciting. But, yeah, it, it is late on the East Coast uh, for those people. And I mean, it's even late for us here. Uh, I got to watch an Iowa game that went till 1 in the morning, then it got – called off and then they replayed it again mm-hmm. for another 45 minutes after that after a rain delay so uh i, I feel the pain but um it's going to be one of those games that you're going to want to stay up to watch man uh oregon and bonix have been on fire they have figured something out especially after that georgia game where they have come together as a unit and, and been able to produce and last week was one of those games where they just didn't win and teams have that um and coaching mistakes or not, there were issues in that game where they, they needed a fix. I think they're going to be raring to go in this game. It's going to be good. I, I want to give the edge to Oregon, though, overall in this game. And the bookmakers are going with that, too, giving Utah three here. But just like that UCLA-USC game, this comes to who can control uh, that ground game. Can Utah control the ground game of Oregon? Uh, because if they can, they're going to force Bo Nix to do the plays that he does and, and not be able to move out of the pocket and things like that. You're talking about like people, if people watch the Bears games, it's, it's how people try to judge what Justin Fields is going to do. You know, one play could mean the end of your hopes of, of getting the Pac-12 championship. One play, that's all it takes. And that's all it takes for Bo Nix. Uh, so it, it's controlling him, making sure he's in the pocket, making sure he's uneasy. It's going to come down to that secondary of Utah in, in how good their pass rushers are against Tim Wall because Oregon right now is just firing on all cylinders. They are. And these two teams, they're not over the past however many games. I'll go throughout the season. If you look at the whole season, average points for versus points against Utah's 19 and a half above their competition, Oregon's 15 above their competition. But that also includes that 49 to three loss from Georgia. So we wiped that off the slate. I mean, Oregon's just been crushing team so these i think that's part of the problem that oregon had last week is they they kind of forgot how to play in a competitive football game right and that's something that you know you, you can't 
you can't lose those competitive games. So we'll see which team shows up here. I, I really think that this would be a pick em if it wasn't at Oregon, because I think that home field advantage has given them two and a half, maybe all the way up to three. But I think it's more of a pick em game on a neutral field at Oregon. I definitely don't want to bet against the Ducks in this game. No, I, I don't either. I think, uh, like I said, it's it's Bonix is one of those players right now that's he's just too good to bet against. Uh, he can do amazing things. Can't believe I'm saying that about Bo Nix, but I, I am. When I had him on my fantasy team, he did nothing at Auburn, but <laughs> I traded him away for some good stuff that I never got because of the COVID year, but we'll digress. So, well, so you we'll got, go. you got nothing for Knicks. I got nothing. Let's for put Knicks. it in the show. So I got Knicks by Knicks. <laughs> Knicks by okay. Knicks. That's too easy. That's too easy. All right. Uh, we're going to stay in the Pac-12 though with some uh, DFS picks here. <clears throat> Nikita Watson. Well, have you ever heard of that name? That I have not, Woj. Okay, not surprised because he's the running back. Base, basically the backup running back for Washington State. Uh, he's oh. 3,800, Wall. Uh, Zona, who they're playing, Arizona, ranks in the bottom seven in FPS and points allowed to running backs at 31.4 points per game. Uh, they are allowing 2.9 TDs per game, which is the worst in college football. Uh, awfully. Um, and that's TDs on the ground, by the way, by the running back, 2.9. Overall, in the last two games were Stanford and Arizona State. Nikita has had an uptick in carries. Um, he has scored 29.5 points and 38.8 points. Listen, it's a Washington State running back. I can't pass up the chance of against playing against D like Arizona. He's only 3,800 wall. Put him on your roster, please. Uh, I mean, it saves you some money. You can buy that C.J. Stroud and maybe get like a Marvin Harrison to match him up with. If he got Nikita on your roster, it, it allows for that to happen. I'll push that into right into wide receivers who are typically expensive. But Nathan Dell from Houston, he's 8,200. Uh, we know how consistent he is, and Clayton Toon, like, that's his favorite target by far. On the other that other end of that, we talked about Holton, uh, the quarterback for Eastern Carolina. If you want to match him up with somebody else, uh, Holton is 6,200 and CJ Johnson is also 6,200, technically not the number one wide receiver. Doesn't get all the targets from Eastern Carolina, but he gets the most touchdowns and he's $800 cheaper than Isaiah Winstead, who is the number one, uh, both have had big days in the past. Uh, but I think CJ Johnson has a bigger upside than Isaiah Winstead is more of the slot guy. So I'm going to go with CJ Johnson. I'm going to save that 800. I'm going to pick up those two, and I'm probably going to take a CJ Stroud and a Marvin Harrison and fill in the rest of my team with Nikita Watson and a couple other, not bunts, but mid range or lower tier wide receivers. Well, I like it. Well, I think uh, Mr. Max Borgie is going to be a little bit uh, unimpressed with you though. Woj. You, you dissing Washington state running backs there with your comment. Uh, no, I'm just saying uh, the Borgie, Hey, Borgie was, I think on my team for a little while. So no, no, uh, Nikita Watson is, uh, it's just an interesting thing to see or, uh, maybe they've just found him to be better towards the end of the season. Maybe there was more of an injury that we didn't hear about to the top guy, but over the last two weeks, he's produced and produced in big ways with 29.5 points, and 38.8, uh, DraftKings haven't bumped him up that much at only 3,800. So, uh, playing against that zone of D, which again is seventh from last in FBS, uh, against running backs, uh, a good matchup here. I, I like it. And, uh, it 
3,800 is an easy pick. In tournaments, be careful because that might be a sought-after pick. It might be a high percentage. But, hey, maybe people aren't seeing what the rundown's seeing here. Uh, and a little Nikita Watson is going to surprise you all. I like it. I like how you're going East Carolina, too, because Mike Houston is the coach over there. He's a man I respect. We're probably going to see him at a big program someday. But East Carolina is a good step, stepping you know stone for a lot of these coaches. And he seems like you got a lot of East Carolina going up against Houston this week. So. Yeah, and I, again, the same could be said for Houston. I know Houston is not favored in that game, but Houston's got a good offense in themselves. Just look at that SMU game, for instance, when they scored 77 points. Um, it's just one of those things where Nathan Dell's a good player. We saw him at 8,200. It's just Holton with C.J. Johnson only being 6,200 each for a quarterback and a wide receiver that can score you over 30 points possibly in a game playing against terrible defenses. I mean, it just seems like a no-brainer to me, Wall, when you can pick up C.J. Stroud as his, his uh, counterpart and you're off to the races. I like it, Woj. I like it. In Houston, they're the odds-on favorite to win college basketball championship this year, Woj. So they got a basketball I, team over there, I did too. not know that. Uh, that is news to hey, me. I, I do want to... Let, let me tell you this. You, you, I bet you don't know this either. As far as women's college basketball, Iowa is third shortest odds meaning they have the third best chance to win the championship according to the odds makers. so i did know they had a good good team their their best baseball team i believe is not that bad as well correct they're, yeah they're perennially a good baseball team you yes, know not as good yes. as wrestling but yeah they're perennially i couldn't speak to them this year i don't know enough and obviously we're out of season so i couldn't tell you for sure but that's more than that's more than likely why the ad still has a job at Iowa, and it's not because of their football team. That's for damn sure. But <laughs> let's get on to, uh, I do want to cover just another little bit here while uh, Power 5 conferences. We already talked about who's in the conference champ games a little bit in the Pac-12. USC uh, with a win over UCLA um, with the non-conference game versus North Carolina or Notre Dame. That means nothing essentially to the Big 12 champion or Pac-12 championship they'll be in. However, if UCLA wins, it becomes a mess wall and a possible five-way tie. So uh, there is a lot of scenarios, no matter the winner, Utah and Oregon. Actually, if UCLA wins, Utah and Oregon go up to the highest percentage possible outcome in the championship game, which is surprising. I didn't see that. It wouldn't be a UCLA somebody else. It would be a Utah-Oregon, no matter the outcome of the Utah-Oregon game Saturday, that would have the highest percentage possible outcome. Uh, to play in the uh, Pac-12 championship, which is weird. Um, well, I'm going to talk a little bit about the big time. Who's going to win the East Wall? Well, Ohio State or Michigan? I, okay, I, that, it I, comes I, down to that. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you're if you're a line maker, you're saying Ohio State, no question. Okay, yeah, so line, it's either one of those two. But man, it's a wild, wild west. Pull out those little guns. Uh, who can pull out their holsters quicker? While there is 250. This is nuts to me, considering there's only two games left in the season. There are 256 possible outcomes that can happen in the West Division right now. While 256, I don't know about what that seems like a lot of jaw jabbering to me. There's there's only five teams that can win it. There's not 256 teams. There's correct, but there's 256 possible outcomes based on win losses and Big Ten. For those that don't know, if you want to look at it. Uh, maybe we'll tweet it out, but there is a list of about 20 different rules that happen, especially when there's <laughs> yeah. a tie for three and four person teams uh, that would make sense to the 256. They have a crazy tiebreaker scenario, but Purdue has the easiest path wall. 
with uh, Iowa, Minnesota, Illinois, Wisconsin, all having a shot. So there's five teams all with a shot, but Purdue has the best odds. If they win out, um, Iowa at least loses one. And there is not a tie with a third-party team, they would go. But if there is a tie with a third-party team, Iowa loses one, Purdue wins out, Iowa would go. How that makes sense? I have no idea, but that's just how it works, Wall. Um, so Illinois is at Michigan. We talked about likely not going to win, so that would be more or less probably the tie if Iowa beats Minnesota this weekend. Wisconsin, I believe, then plays Minnesota the following week. Um, so the likelihood of Purdue going is higher. The second odds on favorite is Iowa. The third on odd favorite is Minnesota. Um, Illinois, excuse me, then Minnesota, then Wisconsin, but there are 256 potentials, which is nuts to me. Big 12 is a little easier. TCU is in. Kansas State wins out. They are in. They play West Virginia and Kansas. However, they are playing without Adrian Martinez, so that might not work out for them. Otherwise, Texas, Baylor, and Oklahoma State all have a chance to get into that uh, division championship wall. What What are your thoughts on that? Go Longhorns, huh? Yeah, I'm, you know my thoughts on that. Go Longhorns, 100%. I do think they are the best team when they're at their best. The thing, I, I don't know if it's still the case, Woj. I know it was before, especially when they didn't have that championship game. But um, the the way – no, it was when they first started the championship game. And I wish I'd researched this. I wish I'd noticed that we were going to do this. I would have looked it up for you guys and told you exactly. But I think the Big 12, they, they take – in a tiebreaker scenario, they take the top-ranked team in, I want to say, the AP poll – Yes, and they yes, they make yes. the the championship, which I think that is a conference that makes sense because you're giving your best your conference the best opportunity, you know, to go to a playoff in this situation. It used to be, you know, obviously um they did the BCS, but you're giving your team and your conference the best opportunity, which that that logic kind of makes sense to me. I can see where it gets a little bit of you know hairy because you can get some politics involved, but hey, as far as the conference, that that logic makes sense. Yeah, and uh, to go with that statement, I sh- I guess I should asterisk the Pac-12 with this. Pac-12 is not divisioned anymore. It is just one conference. They're taking the two best teams. Different than what the Big 12's uh, rules are as far as taking those, but they are taking the two best teams in their rules in the Pac-12. But the ACC is already choked up while that's Clemson, North Carolina. They will play, which should be a good game. I'm excited for that, depending on what happens with Clemson this weekend and North Carolina this weekend. Um, and then the SEC we know is Georgia versus LSU, uh, which is going to be interesting for the college football playoff. I know LSU probably doesn't have a shot in hell at beating Oregon or Georgia, but if they did, they're sixth right now in the college football playoffs. Does that push Georgia out or not in your thoughts? Well, the, in my thoughts, I mean, as of today, Georgia's the best team in the nation. So if they didn't make the college football playoffs, it would be a travesty, quite honest. Again, there's they got a couple more games they got to play, Woj, so things could change. You know, maybe um, what that football team is changes in the next couple of weeks. But I, I I hear a lot of people that are saying LSU has a shot, and this this is the most awful, despicable thing I've heard in the world, Woj. And maybe I stop watching college football if this happens, but I've heard people saying that if LSU beats Georgia, you know, a Georgia team that hasn't lost a game, that maybe LSU, Georgia, and Tennessee make it in. Three SEC teams. I've heard people saying that, Woj. And if that happens, you know, I might quit watching college football because that that would be a travesty for sure. Uh, that would be a travesty. Tennessee does not belong in the college football playoffs anymore. 
They are not going to be in their play, their championship game. LSU and Georgia, however, will be in their championship game. Let, let me let me. The problem is this is the this is the question I want to ask you. Who's a better team, Tennessee or LSU? Tennessee. Yeah, 100%. Obviously, they beat them heads up, too. They crushed them at LSU's home. So, in my opinion, LSU, even if they beat Georgia, they don't belong in the playoffs. I don't think – I think only one SEC team should get in, personally. But I don't think that there should be any question about whether, whether LSU gets in. So, Yeah, I think the issue there is the weight on the conference championship, which I understand um, to a point. And I think it will be a lot clearer once we have 12 teams in there. But – LSU is in the conference championship game. Tennessee is not. Even though I do believe Tennessee is a better team, they won the heads up like you mentioned. If LSU beats Georgia, I think there's two SEC teams in. Otherwise, if Georgia beat LSU, then there's one SEC team and Tennessee does not make it. And that's how it should be in my eyes. Well, do you agree? I I just hope Georgia wins and it's all, you know, at that point, then there's nothing to talk about and makes it nice and clean. Cleaner, yeah, I should say. I agree. Well, all right. Last week I had the win at uh, Ohio State, Indiana over 58 and a half. They crushed that. Utah State just missed uh, the 10 and a half in Hawaii. They let the uh, Rainbow Warriors score a little too much there at the end of the game. Um, and that's a loss, Wall. But, Wall, who are you taking this week? Or do you want to put the, are you putting it on me first? Uh, well, everybody knows who I'm taking. I kind of alluded to yeah, it earlier. That's true. That's uh, I'll true. tell you though. I'll tell you what the best line I'm getting. Sportsbettingintel.com is giving me the best line. UCLA plus two and a half. Which, so since I'm behind, since you're beating me this year, I gotta make sure I'm getting the best line on this because I need all the help I can get. Yeah, uh, I'm taking. I'm going back to back weeks with Ohio State here, in their need to make the playoffs. In all this SEC talk we just talked about, they want to be like let's let's bring two Big Ten teams to the table here. Uh, that's the Ohio State Maryland over in the first half at 34. Uh, I feel like Ohio State's going to murder that number um, and murder it pretty easily. Um, Maryland maybe gets a field goal, maybe gets a touchdown, helps out my score there at 34, but I think Ohio State <laughs> can almost do it on their own. Um, maybe gets a field goal, maybe gets a yeah, I like yeah. it. Much. Here, let me let me ask you this, though. I, I'm not, I, I'm going to take put money on this, right? I'm going to tell you right now. But if you knew that it was going to snow, would you still take this bet? 100%. You still would take it? 100%. As long as there's not 49-mile-an-hour winds like they had at Northwestern, I'm good. That makes sense. Yeah. Cause then Stroud doesn't, uh, doesn't have his over the top passes to Abuka. So yeah, it makes Abu- sense. Abuka Harrison. I, I, you just name, name it. You, <laughs> you Marvin Williams, you put in there. I, it doesn't matter who it is. They get both running backs back this week. Uh, 34 and a, 34 is not enough for the first half, uh, at Maryland. So I'm taking the, uh, the Ohio state Buckeyes and the Maryland Turpins, in the over at 34 and a half in the first. So yeah. essentially you're taking Ohio state, but that's the team yes. we'll be talking about next week. <laughs> we'll be talking about them next week. So everybody can get ready for that. Thanks for listening, everyone. You can catch us on Twitter at WWCFB. Our Instagram's college underscore football underscore rundown. Our website, which you can get all our podcasts and information and contact me and Kyle on is collegefootballrundown.com. Thanks again for listening, everybody. I'm Woj. I'm Walt. And this was the College Football Rundown. We're out. We're out.